Casino. High Five Casino is a social casino with real prizes and big Vegas hits at HighFiveCasino.com. The hottest games right from Vegas and all winnings go straight to your bank account. Hundreds of exclusive games, free daily rewards, and come back to get free coins every four hours. Only at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details at HighTheNumberFiveCasino.com. Before AI can help your business predict demand, accelerate growth, inform decisions, automate tasks, reveal insights, generate content, you have to trust it. Introducing WatsonX Governance. Helping you govern any AI as data, models, and policies change so you can scale it responsibly. Let's create AI that begins with trust with WatsonX Governance. Learn more at ibm.com slash governance. IBM. Let's create. Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash covers your skin in layers of rich moisturizers and vitamin B3 complex, transforming your skin from dry and dull to moisturized, soft and smooth in just 14 days. Feel the best in your skin and glow with confidence, all pride. For the third year, Olay Body is a proud sponsor of iHeartRadio and PNG's Can't Cancel Pride and supporter of the LGBTQ plus community. So this pride glow with confidence, not just all month, but all year long. Check out Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash online or at your favorite retailer. Baseball fans, BetMGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season. Step into the batter's box for BetMGM's Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. Pick an area of the strike zone and take your best swing. If you get a single, double, triple, or home run, you'll receive a prize. Smash a home run to collect a bonus bet on us. Just log into your BetMGM sports account to get started. Then visit your promotions section to access the Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. There's nothing more exciting than going yard with the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. Must be 21 plus and present in Ohio. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards vary depending on market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Oh, welcome to It Could Happen Here. I'm Robert Evans, recording from a deeply unsettling Airbnb uh, right near the border of Texas and Mexico. Um, I'm here with my good friend, James Stout. Uh, say hello to the people. Hi, everyone. Uh, and we're going to talk about, well, l- l- let me let me introduce briefly. You'll, you'll see the episodes soon enough. We're down here reporting on um, a mixture of, of, of right-wing militancy, uh, government militarization of the border, and the attempts by people trapped in the middle to survive and avoid those authoritarian structures. So today, James and I are going to talk about Molotov cocktails. Um, but first, James, you want to talk about this Airbnb we're in for a second? Because <laughs> yes, you book this motherfucker. Deeply, yeah, 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 yeah. So what happens when you have uh, like less than 24 hours before you arrive and need a place for more than two people is uh, you really get into the depth of Airbnb. And I found this place which... How to describe it? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, unsettling. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, it it just feels wrong. Uh, I can't put my finger quite on. But there is a basement, 
which definitely has like murder vibes. And there's not basements in Texas normally. And it, it's it's crumbling and unsettling. There's a sump pump that doesn't appear connected to anything. There's puddles of standing water. Um, I think there's like nine bedrooms in this house. Yeah, but only one like is upstairs. Uh, and it seems to have like like to be designed to command an arc of fire around the house. <laughs> then there are other bedrooms which are like kind of in this stable block. What else is weird? Like three of the bedrooms are separate from the main house and in a built in a way that it looks like a roadside motel. And then there's a main house that has like four living rooms. For- yeah. We're sitting at a large kitchen table right now, which spins around a central axis for some inexplicable reason. We have the overwhelming feeling that something horribly wrong was done in this space because it doesn't. Everything is a little off. None of the decorations look like people. This is some sort of trap house, but we cannot identify the kind. <laughs> I think, Robert, you described it best when you said, it's like one of those, this person does not exist photos, but of a home and you can't work out what's wrong, but it's not human and it's not right. So we just had to get that out of our systems because it's been deeply unsettling the last couple of days we're here. Now, James, in 2020, you wrote an article about Molotov cocktails that got you in a bit of a fascinating situation. I want you to just kind of walk me through what happened there and what the fallout was. Yeah, well, the one that started it was about how to tear down statues, and that was for Popular Mechanics. And in that article, I interviewed a couple of experts, uh, and one of them explained how to make something called thermite. Um, Thermite is like an exothermic reaction. You mix a couple of things, they get hot, they get hot enough to melt some metal. So if you were uh, interested in bringing down a statue of a bigot, that might be helpful to you. By the way, it's legal in yes. basically all of the U.S. to possess thermite and, and pretty simple to make. Not that, you know, you can Google it. You can figure that out yourself. Yeah, I'm not telling you how to make it. I'm telling you that it exists. Uh, it exists and is surprisingly legal. Yes, and if you need to weld some shit underwater or join together some train tracks, it's uh, the right tool for the job. Yeah, if you happen to be, I know a lot of the Russian army in Ukraine listens to this podcast. If you happen to be in the process of abandoning hundreds of millions of dollars in armor, thermite can allow you to stop <laughs> Ukrainian <laughs> farmers from towing it back to their homes. Yeah, yeah. yeah but don't do that if you're a Russian soldier. Uh, just, just run. Um, go to the Ukrainians. I'll let you call your mom. They're nice. Um, okay, so I write the story for Pop Mac, right? Uh, it, 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 it's just a, a useful guide to people who are looking to safely dispose of a racist statue, right? Um, and when I write it, uh, I think their readership might lean pretty conservative, uh, or they felt like that was a safe space. <laughs> anyway, uh, it immediately became like the epicenter of the culture war for like a week, uh, including triggering one Benjamin Shapiro, who uh, then subtweeted me like a coward uh, and uh, asked when I would be writing my story about Molotov cocktails, <laughs> which I subsequently wrote. So that, that gets us to the Molotov cocktail story. Uh, it was in Russia Today as well, now banned media outlet. Your article, you didn't write it for Russia. No, no, no. I wrote it for a British magazine called Huck. Uh, I described like, Huck is like, like Vice, but less tragic. Like after Vice went bad, Huck, Huck's cool. Um, and so, yeah, Ben, ben was upset. Uh, ben orchestrated this kind of right-wing panic around the story. Uh, they canceled Pop Mac for a while. And I wrote a piece about the history and, I guess, chemistry of Molotov and their role in democratization movements. That was really fascinating to me. So, yeah, that's how we got to the Molotov story. 
And you want to give me kind of some cliffs notes on the history of the Molotov and its role? Because what I know about Molotov cocktails, I assume it's named after Molotov of the Molotov Ribbentrop Pact, right? Vyacheslav Molotov. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I know I have been near a couple of them going off. I nearly got lit on fire by one and I watched a colleague get lit on fire by another. So I am aware of what they do. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, why don't you walk us through kind of the cliffs notes of the history of Molotovs? Yeah, absolutely. So um, a lot of times uh, you'll go on the internet and you'll read something about history and it will turn out not to be right. Uh, and that, that's often the case with Molotov cocktails. So yes, they're named after Vyacheslav Molotov. Uh, we can get to why they're named that way in a second. But uh, they, their origin is actually with Franco's uh, nationalist, fascist, national fascist, whatever you want to call them, national Catholic troops in the Spanish Civil War. Uh, so early on in the Spanish Civil War, 1937-ish, um, the Republic had some Soviet tanks, and they were using these against the uh, Fuentes de Ebro. They were using these against the Nationalists, and Nationalists were throwing what they then called petrol bombs at the tanks to great effect. Uh, these, those old tanks had rubber on the wheels that turned the tracks, and those would melt. Um, so that's when they were first used. Um, if you're not familiar with what a Molotov cocktail is, it's an improvised incendiary device. Uh, it, it's a glass thing filled with a flammable thing topped with some kind of cloth with a flame that the cloth is burning. And when you throw it, obviously the glass thing breaks, the flammable liquid comes out and the, the flame catches the liquid and you have a fireball. Uh, so the first time we kind of see them is used in the Spanish Civil War. We see references to them in like British media in the 1930s when British reporters were going out to watch the Spanish Civil War and they were like, wow. What a, what a development, what a technology. Um, so they used there, but where they get their name is in Finland, right? When the Soviets invade Finland. Uh, why they got their name is that uh, Molotov claimed that his planes were not dropping bombs. You'll see like a history of gaslighting in Russian foreign policy, Soviet foreign policy here. Um, he claimed they weren't dropping bombs. He claimed that they were uh, bringing aid to the people of Finland, right? And Finland was like, this is ridiculous. So they kind of started calling the bombs Molotov's bread baskets. And pretty soon, everything that was shit was associated with Molotov. So like bombers were Molotov's chickens. Uh, blackout curtains were Molotov's curtains. And so the, they, they switched many of their state alcohol factories to making Molotov cocktails. And so they started calling these, these pet, what were called petrol bombs Molotov cocktails. And that's how the name stuck. It is neat that Russia has such a long history of causing other nations to retool their domestic liquor production towards making bombs <laughs> to throw at Russian soldiers. And like how, what are we now, 80 odd years on from, from 1936, yeah. 37? Uh, like it's, it's not always Russian tanks, mm. but it's nearly always Russian tanks, right? Mm. Like Spain. And the Russian tanks are obviously like in the Republic in Spain is, is much preferable to yeah. Franco. Uh, Finland. Hungary in 1956, right? Um, and today in Ukraine, you see people throwing bottles of petrol with flames on top at Russian tanks. But yeah, they have a long history. Yeah, I mean, and it's it's among other things, like especially if you don't have easy access to firearms and and no access to explosives and stuff. Like it's it's not a force equalizer, but it does allow you to to do certain things in militarily that that would be harder to do 
um, if you were like trying to manufacture something a little bit more like it's easier than making a grenade, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. And it does much more damage than a rock, but yeah. it's not much harder to come by for yeah. most people, right? Um, one really interesting thing I read about them was by this academic who I, I really like his work. It's called Ali Kadiva, uh, and he's Iranian. Uh, and he's looked at like democratization movements all over the world, right? So how do authoritarian regimes collapse? And his research suggested that like peaceful, extre- like extreme, like quote unquote peaceful protests tend not to work. And insurgencies hadn't had that high of a success rate. But uh, his paper is called Stick Stones and Molotov Cocktails. And like his research suggested, like if you're prepared to do violence against property by hitting it with a stick, throwing a stone, throwing a Molotov cocktail, then you are more likely to have success in toppling a regime. So like because they're accessible to people who don't necessarily have guns or aren't doing insurgencies, they've had this really interesting role in arming non-state actors or arming liberation movements throughout history. I mean, that's really interesting because it would seem to suggest like a reading of that paper would seem to suggest that, yeah, it's not so much like being willing to carry out like a militant movement, but being willing to destroy things is one of the primary signs that like you have a chance of actually overthrowing an authoritarian regime is like your your ability to prepare to to do damage um, like of a financial nature. Like, is that kind of the argument he's making? Yeah, I think the argument he's making is that like, and, and it's an argument that can't be made enough, right? The damage to property is not the same as damage to people. And, and violence against property in, in the name of liberation or justice is okay and tends to work. And But yeah, you have to have some skin in the game. You have to be prepared to, to fuck some shit up if you, yeah. if you want to bring down a regime which is prepared to use violence against you. So that's kind of talking about the use of these tools within liberatory struggles, but they're not – I guess they're liberatory struggles in the eye of the beholder. That's talking about the use of these tools and kind of like street movements that are agitating for change. But we also have this military history, yeah. um, which I think is much more muddled in terms of its actual efficacy as a, as a weapon, its ability to deny area, its ability to destroy – um, or damage like enemy uh, 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 like combat ability. Do you do you have any kind of sense of like how effective? Like we're seeing all these people in Ukraine arming themselves with cocktails. Um, evidence of, of of you know the efficacy of these in combat is a lot murkier. Um, at least within the present conflict. Do you have a sense of how historically they useful they tend to be for that? Yeah, I think depending on the age of the and then the type of the vehicle you're attacking, right? So like these old Russian tanks. Um, and what they would do a lot was make something which is not quite what we would see as a Molotov cocktail. So it had a whole blanket that was soaked in petrol and that would get caught up in the track and then oh. it would destroy... The, the, there was a bit of rubber on, on the wheels interfaced with the tracks and it would melt and that would immobilize the tank and then folks could swarm it um, from all angles. That was kind of the move there. And then I think they've been more useful in Ukraine than one might have expected because... Uh, of the nature of some of the Russian military vehicles. They tend to carry their fuel on the outside. They also, because of the mud, they'll carry lots of pieces of wood that they can use to put under their wheels, like you would, you know, like sand ladders on a truck. Um, So those tend to catch fire more easily. I know the BMPs also have fuel storage on the back door, which is is pretty optimal for if you want to walk up behind someone and set something on fire. Uh, So they've worked pretty well there. In other places... Yeah, they seem to be more of an annoyance. Like I know I've spoken to people who have been in the military uh, in the in the UK, and like the big thing in Northern Ireland, right? Yeah. Again, right? You have a sort of uh, a liberatory movement there, and, and so they were very popular, but they didn't seem to do much other than cause people distress, cause people um, personal injury sometimes, but not particularly to 
they, they weren't game changing in terms of like the monopoly on violence there. But yeah, they seem to be very, very, I think they're better when you have a ton of people throwing them. I think if you have a lot of people setting things on fire, that tends to be, uh, causes people to stop. And I think with Russia being uh, lacking in, in excellent leadership, it's, it seems like we could say in Ukraine and some of their soldiers may be lacking in training. And with the fact that they tend to carry fuel externally so their vehicles catch fire, if you can just convince some conscripts that their vehicle is on fire, they are going to get out and run away. And, I, and we've seen that a lot, right? A lot of people running away. Yeah, I think when I think about like outside of military uses where I've seen Molotovs be most effective in like the time I've been covering conflict, the, the first thing that comes up is the Maidan revolution in Ukraine, yeah. late 2013, early 2014, where people were throwing – some of the same people throwing Molotovs at Russian troops now were through a mix of throwing by hand and like catapult devices were launching sometimes hundreds of Molotovs in a couple of minutes and like melting tank treads to the yeah. ground, which is definitely like – that's a that's obviously it was effective. It's also almost a different kind of weapon system when you're when you're dealing with that kind of volume. <laughs> yeah, like a grad Molotov launcher. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then I can think about like there's this really amazing video that you can find if you look of uh, Greek anarchists on bicycles swarming past a Greek police station and throwing it looked like about a dozen Molotovs at once and and just like sacking a police station that way and then biking right the fuck off and like disappearing into the city. Um, which is, which, you know, seemed like a more effective tactic than some of the ways I've seen them use where it's like a person throwing a Molotov, um, and then the cops get really fucking angry, but it doesn't really do that much damage to them. And then people get, or they hit the wrong person. Like it is, it is a tool with a high degree of chance for error if you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. There's there's a decent skill requirement. You also really don't want to have like anything flammable on your hands or shirt or anything like that. Like I've seen people really end up badly after trying to make a Molotov and just hurting themselves, trying to light it or throw it or drop it. Yeah, it's it's not a it's not one of those things that like you want to casually suggest people use because the odds of actually injuring yourself with it are pretty high if you're not being careful. Um and if you if you're going into a situation where you think people might have Molotovs, natural fibers, people. Na- natural fibers, not synthetics. Yeah, wool is your friend. Yeah. Uh welding gloves your friend. Yeah. Like, yeah, you don't want to be caught on fire. The following is a high five moment from highfivecasino.com. I won! Private, put down your phone. This is the army. Sarge, High Five Casino is a social casino. It's on your phone. goes wherever you go. I win free spins, cash, prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. I won again. Platoon, present cell phone. High Five. High Five. Casino. Casino. Win at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High Five Casino. Glow with your best skin. Be confident in your skin. Be brave in your skin. With Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash, cover your skin in layers of rich moisturizers and vitamin B3 complex, transforming your skin from dry and dull to moisturized and smooth in just 14 days. Feel the best in your skin and glow with confidence all pride. Olay Body is a proud sponsor and supporter of iHeartRadio and PNG's Can't Cancel Pride. Raising funds and support for the LGBTQ plus community. Ole Body wants you to feel empowered to live with confidence in your own skin. Not just all month, but all year long. And when you feel the best in your skin, you can do anything. 
So this pride, glow with confidence with the help of Olay Body. Check out Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash online or at your favorite retailer. Happy Pride! You're probably careful with your personal information, but what about the other places that have it? Like the doctor's office that mixed up your files. They have your social security number. The power company that mistakenly cut your service has your payment info and last three addresses. And the hotel that lost your reservation has your passport info. Your information is in endless places out of your control. Any one of them could accidentally expose you to hackers and identity theft through lax security, breaches, or simple mistakes. But LifeLock monitors millions of data points every second and alerts you to a wide range of threats. If your identity is stolen, a U.S.-based restoration specialist will fix it, guaranteed, or your money back. With plans covering up to $3 million for stolen funds and expenses. Mistakes happen. Don't let not having protection be one of them. Save up to 40% your first year at lifelock.com slash news. That's lifelock.com slash news to save up to 40%. Terms apply. Baseball fans, BetMGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season. Step into the batter's box for BetMGM's Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. Pick an area of the strike zone and take your best swing. If you get a single, double, triple, or home run, you'll receive a prize. Smash a home run to collect a bonus bet on us. Just log into your BetMGM sports account to get started. Then visit your promotions section to access the Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. There's nothing more exciting than going yard with the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. Must be 21 plus and present in Ohio. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards vary depending on market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In partnership with MGM Northfield Park. So let's talk a little bit about how, like, what are the different kinds of constructions of Molotovs you've seen people using and how they changed over time? You talked a little bit about kind of the early Spanish ones were like full blankets and stuff. Yeah, I think one of the interests where we go from Spain uh, to uh, to Finland, right, where we're seeing the same thing, basically petrol or maybe ethanol or something like that inside a bottle uh, with, with just a wick, right? Something sort of, uh, I know in Spanish Civil War, they were using jars a lot, like jam jars. Uh, um, but when things started to develop, I think, is in, in the UK, um, so in Britain, uh, and you actually have this guy called Tom Wintringham, who, who went to Spain as a war correspondent, decided to become a soldier, and then returned to the UK and uh, tried to share what he'd learned with British people, right? In this article he wrote for Picture Post, uh, and he was very much into Molotov cocktails as a great way of fighting an invasion. Um, much like actually the old guy you heard, did you hear the guy who called into NPR recently? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He was outstanding. Uh, just, just turning NPR into a how-to-do guerrilla warfare. Um, so what they did, they made this thing called the number 76 grenade. And they made six million of them, I think. Jesus Christ. Uh, and they still find them. It's funny. They'll still find them in like where they'll be digging the foundation for a building. They'll be like, oh, shit, this is not a box of beer. Um, and what those had was a strip of rubber that they dropped in it. It was in a bottle with a cap. Uh, and it had a phosphorus igniter, actually. So you didn't have to light it. You just tossed it. Whoa. Um, yeah, and those were extremely effective. The rubber dissolves and then 
that allows the flaming liquid to adhere better to the person or thing that is hit, right? And those, You're almost like making a napalm bomb. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and the phosphorus will last for a long time. It's much less risky to the thrower. And you can also have a whole box of them and just keep throwing them, right? You don't have to light each one. You don't have to have someone else light each one. So those seem pretty effective. I don't know if they were ever really used in anger because obviously the, the, the Nazis never uh, landed in the UK. Uh, but yeah, that was, that was a, a pretty big development. And that kind of set the tone for the other developments, which I've seen at least. Uh, I'm not like a Molotov expert, but uh, people put sugar in them. People put polystyrene in them. or uh, What do you call that? What, what does sugar in them do? I think it gives it uh, a higher viscosity. And I think they sort of, it maybe melts when they, and it like sticks and it like creates like a sticky kind of hot, like, like if you're making toffee, I would imagine. Um, I, the big thing I've seen people putting in them is various like uh, plastics, right? So um, when you look at the, you've seen these videos of old ladies in Ukraine with cheese graters, just grating, like packing styrofoam. And they put that in there. And that, this, that does the same thing, right? It creates a more viscous kind of napalm which adheres to the thing that you throw it at. And that, I think, if you're talking about persuading someone that their tank is on fire, if it keeps burning for 10, 20 seconds, you know, you don't have a very long time to get out of a BMP. So uh, you're going to start getting out, I would imagine. Well, and that does point to, like, an interesting reality of, like, not just this war, all war, but, like, specifically in the context of territorial kind of volunteers who are, on paper, terribly outgunned. Um, but the psychological dimension is that, like you said, if you can convince people, they may be in an armored vehicle that has unquestioned supremacy over the partisans attacking them. But if you can convince them they are on fire, they will make decisions that lead them to no longer have the advantage in terms of firepower. It's not impossible to do. Yeah, I think you saw that. I think there was some footage from Maidan of them sort of ambushing some armored vehicles. And yeah, once you throw half a dozen Molotov cocktails from above at windows... You can either get those people to abandon their vehicle and run away if that's their goal. If they get out, they're a lot more vulnerable to further attacks from Molotov cocktails or anything else, right? So yeah, I think it it really plays into that kind of guerrilla or sort of uh, like underdog side of, of conflict. Yeah, one of the things that's interesting to them about me, I mean, we, you and I just finished this series that dealt heavily with like 3D printed weapons, homemade guns and stuff. But, you know, there's a lot that you as the state can do to reduce people's access to firearms or even to reduce people's access to like knives that are bigger than kitchen knives. A lot you can do to reduce people's access to conventional arms. But everywhere's got liquor. Yeah, exactly. It's almost impossible to stop people having them, right? If you have gasoline, diesel, alcohol, and glass things, and fabric, and, and a lighter. You have access to these. So yeah, they're accessible to everyone. And they are, yeah, incredibly effective. It's like they're probably the most effective thing that you could make in your home uh, if you were doing an insurgency or fighting Russian invaders in this case. Yeah. Well, James, was there anything else you wanted to get into on the subject of Molotovs uh, or other forms of cocktails? <laughs> uh, yeah, let me think. I should probably say that it's probably illegal to make them in the United States in your home. I mean, there are specific ways you legally can, but you yes. you need a number of different permits. Yeah, yeah. You do have to ask the government. So uh, I, I would probably wouldn't suggest to do Yes, you have to. Uh, I probably wouldn't suggest doing that. But no, I think it's always interesting to look at these, like uh, if we want to move towards a world where there is less authority and more freedom, 
then the, these things which take away the state's monopoly on the ability to do violence should always be interesting. Not necessarily like things that we want, but like it's interesting. Right? Yeah, that, that's one of the things that's fascinating to me. Obviously, Ukraine is a, a, a pretty standard government within the, the global, or at least up until this point has been. Like they are, they are a state that has done a number of ugly things in its past and will do them in the future. But they're in this fascinating moment where the government has really set down any claim to a monopoly on force in a lot of fascinating ways, the kind of widespread, here's how to make a Molotov, here's how to disable. And and one of the things that's fascinating, the Ukrainian government very famously sent around sheets, which are like, here is where to throw Molotovs to do the most damage to different Russian vehicles, which are also Ukrainian vehicles. Yeah. yeah. And also those vehicles now belong to random farmers. Like, I saw that there was a thing where the Ukrainian equivalent of the IRS had said, like, don't worry, you don't need to declare this tank on, on your income tax, right? How does one tax a person who has a tank? Yeah. Or, in the case of some of them, has a $20 million anti-aircraft system. Yeah. yeah. Who is the tax man who is willing to go and collect that per- Like, they have become ungovernable. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's we're they are in the thick of it, and maybe for the rest of all of our lives, nobody knows how long this thing is going to last. But if if the war does end in any kind of reasonable time frame, the what's Ukraine going back to? I don't know how they go back to being a normal state when they have when they have opened the floodgates to everyone is the army now. Yeah. Well, I think it's yeah. It, it calls into question a number of things, right? Like that maybe you don't necessarily always need this very strict disciplinarian structure to fight very effectively. Uh, but also, yeah, that like. Do you need the state, right? People are just doing their own thing right now. And I, yeah, I don't know how you really take that back. Like, how do you go and collect the tanks from people? Yeah. They know how to kill tanks. That's what they've been doing. Yeah, the Ukrainian government in the future, if we imagine a time of peace, it'll be quite a while before there's any chance of like, well, we'd better send in the riot troops to crack down yes. on this protest. It's yeah. like, no, you're not going to get those riot troops to go anywhere near there. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, we're, we're testing out this armed society as a polite society thesis. Yeah. Right? But yeah, I don't know how the police return to a country which is seemingly at least holding off, if not defeating a, a military superpower. Yeah. Yeah, it is a fascinating question, and, and no one really has a clear answer. But I, I do think it's interesting. Of course, they have embraced the Molotov, as you've kind of made the case here. That's It really has this history as this great kind of democratizing force within the conflicts between people and governments and governments and governments. Yeah, and, and people and capital, right? Yeah. Like if you're prepared to destroy capital goods, like people have done for centuries, and that that seems to be the way to make change, right? It's kind of interesting, a thing to reflect on from our Myanmar podcast, I thought, was that they had very strict gun ownership laws before this, um, very, very strict, apart from for one ethnic group called the Chin. But what they've promised to do afterwards, at least according to our sources, is, is to allow people to keep and, and bear arms, right? Because I guess they kind of have to, right? Because A, they can't stop them anymore. These people are 3D printing guns. And B, the only way they got freedom, or if this is if, the, if they're able to defeat the Tatmadaw, then the only way they've, they've become free is through fighting for their freedom. And it, it seems that they're not going to be willing to, to give that up especially for the ethnic groups there. So yeah, it's really interesting to see like what kind of a state emerges from a sort of, uh, what's, what's the word? Like, like it's, it's not an authoritarian structure, right? The militaries are not like, a lot of people in Ukraine are not necessarily authoritarian structures. So what emerges for the state when we've had this horizontal resistance? 
Yeah, these are these are fascinating questions and, and ones that I think we'll all be continuing to ask and answer for, for the foreseeable future. For now, do you have anything you want to plug before we roll out, James? Um, no, you should listen to our podcast on Myanmar. You can follow me on Twitter. That's my name, uh, at James Stout. Uh, I have a Patreon. I write for some other things. Uh, I teach at the community college. If you want to take some history courses, we can learn about Molotovs have a lecture about that. Uh, But otherwise, no, that's about all. Well, that's going to do it for us here. Until next time, don't make a Molotov if it's illegal where you live, but, but do think about Molotovs because as the last couple of weeks have shown us, you could by next week be living in a state where it's very legal to make Molotov cocktails. That could happen to any of us. You never know, you know, you never know. So, you know, do some reading online. Use a uh, use a VPN to do that reading. Yeah, Tor browser if you're going to be googling how to make Molotov. Do some very careful reading, and um, you know, keep an eye on the world. It could happen here as a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find sources for It Could Happen Here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com slash sources. Thanks for listening. The following is a high five moment from highfivecasino.com. I won! Yahoo! Private, put down your phone. This is the army. Sort. High Five Casino is a social casino. It's on your phone. Goes wherever you go. I win free spins, cash, prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. I won again. Platoon, present cell phone. High Five. High Five. Casino. Casino. Win at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High Five Casino. I'm going out with the girls this weekend. Nails, done. Outfit, stunner. And my skin? I know it's going to be glowing because I glammed up my shower routine with new Olay Indulgent Moisture Body Wash. It smells so luxurious and deeply moisturizes with its super rich, creamy lather that's bursting with vitamin B3 complex. So my skin glows and my confidence grows. Try new Olay Indulgent Moisture Body Wash for glowing skin in just 14 days. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like. Whoa. And. Not to mention, we have one of the top zoos in the country. So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team, ranking as a top culinary destination in the world, be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer.